Inflation continues to be in check as we see the October producer price index has dropped one half of one percent. Its biggest one month drop since April of 2020. Inflation is down, oil is down, everybody's in a good mood and what do you think happened? The stock market went up once again, our fourth day in a row that we're seeing gains. Welcome everyone to Buy, Hold, Sell. I am your trader Todd Schoenberger and I am joined by my friend and co-host Tobin Smith out in sunny and warm Scottsdale, Arizona. I got a vest on, okay? It's not that hot. You look sharp. You look very sharp with that vest on. We have a very special guest with us today from Defiance ETS. She is she is the CEO and CIO. Sylvia Jablonski is joining the show today. Welcome to the program, Sylvia. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Well, I got to say, Sylvia, you are, uh, everything you've said has really been working. Inflation is in check. As long as it stays in check, the markets are going to continue to rally in the short term. Is that the right forecast? And do you think that this is going to be continuing on through the rest of the year as well as in the 2024 yeah i i love the i love the you know you're you're always right i don't know if you used always but that's a that's a good word to insert there always right Uh, (laughs) no just kidding yeah i mean look i think it's i think we have the goldilocks scenario right so the cpi number was was cooler than expected and i think the markets really love that and it was probably a big relief for the fed as well ppi was in line there's a lot of reasons for that you have the 10-year you know below 4.5 percent as of yesterday you have generally inflation cooling across the board. The price, you know, oil prices went down and consumers remain kind of strong, good wages, things like that. Earnings are good. So really everything's lined up pretty well. I think the two wild cards in terms of could it kind of have a shift or a reverse of, of you know, the, the good times rolling here could be geopolitics and any kind of head fake from the Fed. I think we're all expecting inflation to be either in line or maybe even a hotter read, mainly because we had that period of time with with oil and and whatnot. But, you know, this is this is really good news. So, yeah, I think markets love it. Um, The idea that eventually, you know, maybe we keep rates where they are now, the Fed pauses and eventually we get a a cut there. This is this is really what the markets wanted. All right. This is the PK meter and the PK meter is when he jumps in my lap. That for the listeners <laughs> listening to this show, you definitely want to check out the television program of Buy Hold Sell because Toby has it looks like is that a it's not a kangaroo, but what is that thing that you're That's carrying? A cat, about? you bonehead. Okay, <laughs> say hello to Sylvia. Tell, tell that mean bonehead to step off. Okay, all right. Well, Sylvia, I, I, I think it's intriguing. The inflation, it, it, there's only like one real chink in the inflation number. And I don't know if anybody saw this, but for some reason, it shows that health insurance prices are down 25%. Yeah, yeah which is bizarre, right? And they're trying to explain it because of different uh, times of payment. That the, yeah. the, But wouldn't you just smooth that out? And why would you include it in an index since it's such a, you know, it's the largest part of the United States economy, because at least uh, for my uh, subscribers and people who are in my trading rooms and stuff, I got a lot of conspiracy theorists. Okay. And (laughs) that was the first thing they wanted to talk about in the morning is how contrived and manipulated the uh, inflation numbers were. Um, But on the other hand, you know, year over year is how we do this. And I think people sort of forget about that. And year over year, just, you know, good old CPI, not even CPE. It was 9%, (laughs) you know, 14 months ago. So it's the rate of change or the rate of change to me that matters. And I think that's what the market is starting to to realize is that just as as all those elements took inflation up, we had a a guest on yesterday was a, a big monetarist, and she could not understand how I wasn't talking about how 
all the money pumped into the system was inflationary. I said, well, that was monetary inflationary, but yeah. that had nothing to do with uh, uh, prices necessarily, but it had to do with the supply demand being out of it. But once you spend that money and buy your new iPad or your new apartment, <laughs> you've spent it. Yeah. And, and, and so, fun. you know, it's a fun. lot of that oh, spending yeah. power has come back to earth yeah. and um, and the Fed is actually selling bonds uh, and not buying bonds. So yeah. you would think that would be an impediment. But in fact, gravity, financial gravity, remember that finance 101? Yeah. <laughs> it, it still works. And, yeah. and Sylvia in her notes had put in there that this is the time of year that we should be seeing that sticky and tricky inflation. I'm not sure if it's there anymore, though. It seems that everything is cooling off and it's cooling off fast. And I think that's where you have this optimism from traders that we might actually see a possibility we might see Fed rate cuts in 2024. What's your thought on that, Sylvia? Do you think that we may see cuts next year? You know, I think that the Fed is more or less done with, you know, what he said, you know, the, the way that he talks about it changes, right? Whether or not, you know, like he, I think he's pretty dovish in October. And then, you know, in the last conversation, he almost had that, that twinge of hawkishness when he kind of talked about head fakes and things like that. So, you know, there's always a wild card, right? Because I think they don't want it on their heads if they, if they kind of cut too soon, right? I mean, that would be the big biggest disaster for his reputation after, yeah. you know, after the transitory thing and then kind of fixing it. Right. So I think that if anything, they'll be conservative about that. Um, but, you know, I'm probably in line with the dot plot, right? Maybe they'll have two cuts next year, wait it out, pause it out now, see how it goes. See if you have, you know, those, those two cuts next year and, you know, whether they come in March or, or kind of later on remains to be seen. Um, yeah, I, I, Todd, I, I'll tell you that what's another intriguing thing is if you ever met Jay, no one calls him, you know, he's, he's Jay Powell, but nobody calls him. Well, you, you guys are tennis members or some tennis players or something. So yeah, yeah, well, it, yeah at the cool. Congressional uh, Country Club. And, okay, uh, anyway, JP, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Keep him low. Nicest Keep him low. guy in the world. <laughs> but, but he was a history major for crying out loud <laughs> at Princeton or Harvard or whatever one of those fancy schmancy schools that Todd's boys go to. Boston College. And, <laughs> yeah, and um, and so man, if you if you, if you're like a history major. And you get a degree in history, then the last thing you want to do is f that up because yeah, you know it right. stays in the books forever. A and then B, you know, he, he made his money as a, a front man for private equity firms. He was never an economist. He yeah. was, you know, what? But in the private equity business, we would call a suit. He had twelve suits. He made lunch reservations and dinner reservations for <laughs> prospective clients and or to woo money and. And that was it. He wasn't involved in the policy. So I am very impressed of what he's been able to put together. Yeah. He's obviously a very bright person, but he did not want to be the Arthur Burns of the 21st century. That's for sure. Uh, he's a little bit older than I am, but he was around there when, you know, we, they prematurely cut rates. Uh, and then secondarily, the, he was going to err on the side of being too lax versus being too restrictive because I, I just go back to my theme of the last, I don't know, 36 months. There is no playbook here. There's no. there's no playbook for for having free money for 12 years and then have that stop. Then yeah. having your mortgage rates go. The, the, the mortgage I have is two and one quarter percent. Amazing. Somebody, yeah. Yeah. Somebody bought a house like down the street. They're paying seven and three quarters percent. Stuck. Well, you know, what's just even in the near term. Right. We all sort of. I mean, I didn't really cheer, but, you know, I felt that when you, when you saw that 10 year go below 4.5, it was like, yes. It's like, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, 
huge. And we're actually <laughs> we're just slightly above it today. We actually rose nine basis points yeah. in the ten year. But for, yeah. but here's a question for both of you though. You still have Jay Powell comes out and he still is holding on to that two percent target. Do what do you think, Sylvia? Do you think we'll ever see inflation hit two percent? And if that's the case, what happens if we don't? I mean, then all of a sudden. Oh, this could pro. This could continue on. At least the threat of hiking rates again could could continue there. Or do you think that Jay Powell might come out one day and say, "You know what, guys? I think we're good. Inflation is close enough to two percent. We don't have to worry about it. Let's move on with our business." Yeah, I, I think it's the latter. I think it's they they get close to you know. Right now, it's his it's his weapon, right? Because he can kind of re- read the data, take it in for the next couple of months, make sure that the decision is the right one. And mm-hmm. use that line, like I, if he raises rates again, right? I told you it's got to be two. It's not two, right? So so I think that's his kind of like get, get out of jail card if he raises rates again. But, I, you know, my sense is that it's going the right way. If, if it gets somewhere between two and three, I, I, you know, I, I think most people are going to be pretty happy with that. And he'll probably readjust and, and start rewording that things are feeling a little bit better, you know, with, without yeah. addressing the fact that- Well, Todd, I, I would say number. that, you know, the common- uh, knowledge here is that if you were to come out and say, like, for instance, what I would say if I was in this position, well, if 2% is our inflation goal, then the first thing we have to really understand is how did we stay below 2% inflation for you know a decade and a half? Yeah, if we boy. don't understand that, then how can we understand the reverse of that, which is, well, 2% really is somewhat arbitrary, given that almost all the dynamics that kept inflation so low that we couldn't figure out are now going away. Geo politically, um, yeah. population-wise, uh, energy costs, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, but, but the argument always is, is that if he comes out and says, all right, listen, we're done. He just got Jewish, by the way. I, we're done, okay? <laughs> then the, he, the bond vigilantes are going to jump in and say, middle finger, big boy, you yeah. said it was 2%. We made all our judgments based on the goal of being 2%. And we're just going to sell the crap out of those bonds which then, of course, makes the interest rates go up uh, but to the biggest uh, payer in the world uh, of interest, the federal government of the United States. And I just did a number of times recently that when you replace the two and a quarter 10-year bond tomorrow with a seven and three quarter, you know, I mean, not 10 years, but I you know a, a four and a half percent bond, but for the 30 year, and it's now five, you know, five Point one. Uh, can you do some quick math on that on how much more interest you're paying? And, and and then all of a sudden, the federal government is paying more in interest on the debt. And I'm not even talking about the two trillion that they can't you know figure out what to do with that have to borrow anyway. But it's going to be very into defense spending. Uh, it's going to be you know. So now we're the truly the country that has a standing army, an insurance company, and sells debt. That's the business of the federal government. So he's stuck, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Well, we're going to leave it right there, guys, on this block. Toby, I don't know. Are you having an earthquake there or something? Your screen is popping. No, I, <laughs> PK's trying to get back up on my lap, and I'm shooting him away. PK, there you go. All right. Well, we have he's one. just like dad. He's a TV whore. It's horrible. <laughs> Very good then. But we're going to leave it there on that on this block because coming up next, we're going to ask Sylvia what her favorite stocks are, some of her favorite investments. You're going to be shocked about which tech stock is her favorite, but you definitely want to hear about it after the break. There you go. Look at Toby. He's on the edge of his seat. So with us today, we have Sydney, S- Sylvia Jablonski, CEO and CIO of Defiance ETF. She is joining us out of New York City today. But we will be right back after the break. Please stay with us.
by Hold Sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast on any given day in washington policy proposals are created debated and decimated by tens of thousands of people and organizations working behind the scenes On 80 Proof Politics, a guest and I will visit a D.C. watering hole and distill the art of advocacy by pulling back the curtain a bit and taking a look at how they play their part in the sausage factory we call our federal government. So if you're at all interested in how the sausage is made, pull up a chair, grab a drink, and join us. After all, what goes better with sausage than a tall, cold one? Hey there, this is Samantha LaDuke, founder of LaDukeTrading.com, and you are listening to Toby and Todd of Buy, Hold, Sell. Stock market rallied again today. Inflation is in check. We saw the producer price index come down and actually dropped one half of one percent. The lowest one month reading since April of 2020. It's wonderful news because it says the Fed has things under control. At least it seems that way. The optics appear that way. And the stock market is rallying as a result. Today with us, we have Sylvia Jablonski. She is the CEO and CIO of Defiance ETFs. And we also have Tobin Smith and PK, who is our now our um, <laughs> official mascot of Buy, Hold, Sell. I, but PK somewhere, but maybe we'll be making another appearance. He's but a, Sophie, he's I want a, to ask you. With, he's with my Defiance... trader during the day. He's a, he's a great cat. <laughs> there he you really, go. He loves hitting the buy signal. Well, <laughs> on the Bloomberg, absolutely. All right, well, Sylvia, I got to ask you, because I, I really, if you can just give the audience a little bit of information on Defiance ETFs. It's a fascinating story. I know there's a Hollywood connection as well. Maybe you could tell everyone about it. Yeah, sure. So our our chairman and the original founder of, of Defiance is the grandson of the Belsky brothers, which, you know, who are famous for essentially rescuing 1,200 Jews during the war. There's a the Hollywood connection is essentially Daniel Craig and, and Liv Shriver have the movie Defiance which is about his ah. grandpa and uncle. And so, you know, kind of heritage legacy, wanting to make kind of the family proud and do something, you know, disruptive, different, defiant. The name of our company is Defiant ETFs. And, you know, to that effect, our strategy is essentially to kind of do two things. We, you know, number one, we, we kind of want to disrupt, disrupt and innovate, right? So we thought about the future of technology and we launched a quantum ETF, which is like AI and machine learning, the future of communications, 5G, we've got electric vehicle stuff. 
And then, you know, most recently we've looked to turn some of these cool enhanced income products on their on their head and, and disrupt there and come up with some some pretty cool ETFs that do that as well. So that's well, pretty cool that's our, is not that's story. let's let's tell the real story. I own yeah. a number of your ETFs. Yes. And these ETFs, Todd, exchange traded fund. I know you're new to this. Um <laughs> uh this guy's this thing's paying out five percent a month in dividends. Yeah. My clients think that it's a mistake. And so can you tell the audience simply, how in hell do you deliver these incredible yields? And oh, by the way, as the stock market goes up, the actual ETF goes up in value, even though it's paying out 50%. Yes, yes, it's... uh... Yeah, so I, I think some of the more popular products out there that people know about, uh, you know, do things like invest in an index and then call it S and P five hundred, right? And they they get like a one point five percent div yield, and then they do some covered call writing uh, once a month, and then they generate some premium for that, so they get like their one point five percent, and then whatever they gain from um, from the call work that they do. And so what we figured out is that there's a way to potentially generate more income by kind of turning this thing inside out. So about a year ago, um, zero DTE, so zero days until expiry options were were listed and, and launched, right? And so these options expire in a day. So they have, you know, kind of massive premium, massive time decay volatility and all that. So we figured out that if you sell slightly in the money puts, you know, with one day to expiration, essentially, you can generate an outsized premium and you can do it every single day. So more- And you're selling puts. You're not selling, selling calls. No, not selling calls. So we do it a little bit differently, right? So we 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 look at 60, 70 delta puts, um, slightly in the money or at the money puts essentially on a daily basis. And you know, the other cool, I think, leg up that we have is you know, there's no kind of like derivative use, there's no leverage or anything. These are super clean. What we do is we start in the account with cash and treasuries, right? So treasuries are yielding 5%, well, now 4.5% call it, but still better than 1.5% Dave on on the S&P, right? So you have that. And then every day we deploy 90% of that cash, sell the slightly in the money puts, gather the premium. And we do that every day. And essentially at the end of the month, you know, so far for the past two months, I think month one on QQQY, which is the NASDAQ enhanced income fund, we're able to do an annualized div of 62%. The second one was 67% on JEPY, which is S&P 500, you know, over 50% both months. So the idea is clients are comfortable with risk for sure on the equity. Like you have exposure to, if NASDAQ is down, you're down, right? If if S&P is down, you're down. But if, if the index is kind of flat, slightly down, slightly up, you know, you're capturing a little bit of the performance and all of the premium. And that's- Well, I'll tell you this, Sylvia, for managed account clients that I have, have, it has to be with someone who's sophisticated enough, I think, to understand just sort of the idea of it. Yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah. And more importantly, you have to be experienced enough to say, you got to think forward three months here. The actual ETF is down 2% and you just make the payout and we reinvest dividend if you don't need the in- income. Yes. And now you have Charlie Munger's snowball machine. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that, actually, because that's the one thing that people miss. You have to reinvest the dividend. You know, I mean, you'll probably find you'll probably be fine without it and you'll get some nice income. And, you know, especially if the index is up. But, you know, if if you if you reinvest at least a large percentage of the dividend, you're still like the, the results are just stellar over time. So that's that's like that's actually a big point. Yeah, I, I, I actually did uh, some, uh, you know, I didn't do it. I just talked to you know, chat BRD Google and I say, 
write some code for me to yeah. show Jeez. what happens when you reinvest 5% a month. Yeah. Uh, and it goes in assuming that the, the there's no increase in the actual underlying index. And after t- after 12 months, you, you, you can't spend that much income. I mean, it, yeah. it just keeps rolling and rolling. All of a sudden, you're $100,000. Is now 150. Then the next year, 150 is 300. Yada yada yada. Yeah. Um, and, and I only do these in Roth accounts or IRA accounts or 401k. I, I don't do it outside uh, because now you're going to have to pay taxes on this stupid income. Um, yeah. But in a Roth where you don't get to deduct the money you put in it, but the money you put in and the income you get is mostly tax free unless you're making, you know, Todd Todd Schoenberger uh, income. Um, then. <laughs> It's the Charlie Munger invest a thousand dollars, you know, every other yes. month yeah. for fifty years. But if you did it in your stuff, you'd be so stinking rich that you would just quit after twenty five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, like I, 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 I hope so. And I think that you're you're making a lot of really good points, right? I think the first point is that this that's is not a pretty face. Okay? Boring enough and clean enough to be in a retirement account, right? A lot of pushback that we get is like, these are naked calls. You're going to be put the stock every day. You're not put anything. These are cash settled index options, right? There's there's never, you know, you're never put stock. And then, you know, the second point is is about the taxes to keep it in the Roth. But the reinvestment is, is, is you know, just absolutely key because you'll get outperformance anyway. Like if you run QQQY versus Qs, you can see that it's outperforming yeah. Qs. Um, but if you reinvest it, uh, it's, you know, it's it's kind of game over. And, and if you have anybody who wants charts, I mean, we have loads of math on that. I love, well, I'm, trust me, you're now my new best friend. But let, let me tell you <laughs> the other issue is that it, it, that sells it, if you will. You actually want the market to go down for six months. You yeah. know, in other words, you're not afraid of a bear market because as the index value, you're getting more shares in the index. Yes. And, um, you know, stock markets are cyclical, et cetera. And with the caveat that I'm not talking about 2007, 2010, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, real bear markets, 50% downdrafts. Yeah. But still, if you were 45 and you had that fund, in 2008, and now you get into you know the the teeth of a 50 per five percent down bear market. The yeah. income you're making today, insane. And yeah. obviously, the Federal Reserve you know created this environment where stocks couldn't go down w- when they made free money. So I think you have to temper your expectations, you know, in the, the real world. But we still have the Fed put. Yeah. And if another, yeah. it's, it's, Something happens, you know. Look at look at yeah. Silicon Valley Bank. Shocking mm-hmm. that yeah. the, you know they jumped in in five days and, and saved. It. I mean, other, so yeah, downside risk is a lot less than upside gain. Well, yeah, and 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 just to explain that too, you know, for anybody listening, right? When when you you have days that the Nasdaq is down, you know, one point seven two percent. Our fund is down maybe one point three percent because we gathered that premium. So you're actually kind of you know people say, yeah. oh, puts are used to hedge. We're not using the put to hedge. We're using it to generate cash, and the cash is you know, the cushion. And then on top of that, it's earning, you know, kind of what the treasury rate is once it's in the account too. Right. But yeah, today, it's now for less than two than months. Years ago, right? So I mean, now you're yeah, getting right. four times more risk-free yield. Yes. Which even makes it, do you, if you need a spokesman, I'm your dude now, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> yeah. And look, I mean, a lot of people, like it's been out it's for the two months and we've, we've gathered 230 million in assets. It's just been, you know, yeah. growth has been just you know, insane in these funds. And, and I saw, I talking I offline saw about those numbers. Back, they're, they're yeah, quick, quick question. You're, these uh, are these are put options yes. on, on index futures. So are, are they trading on the CBOE or are these... Uh, so these are put options on the index, right? On 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 Nasdaq, on S and P five hundred, and on Russell. So they're the only ones that actually exist right now. And then okay. 
yeah, they're on SIBO. Okay, okay. Let's pivot out of this one, though, because I I have to ask you, I know that you follow the uh, tech sector uh, quite well, and I know NVIDIA has always been one of your favorites, but I was actually surprised to, when I was reading your notes, that you really like Microsoft. I do. (laughs) Yeah, so explain to the audience. Microsoft is not funny. I'm sorry, Sylvia, it's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. Look, I mean, just just the boring, you know, kind of like the boring answer is it's a solid company with a strong balance sheet that, you know, over time will appreciate and, and, you know, whatever, but I, but I like it for so many reasons. I think, um, I think, quote, you know, last year was down 44%. You're starting to see, you know, PCs pick up, people are starting to upgrade, do all that stuff. You know, they're winning on software, but it's the AI thing, right? They, they have this new 365 co-pilot and, 40% 40% of the S&P 500 is using it. So they're actually a company that, you know, we're talking about AI in their next earnings call, they're going to have a line for AI, right? And, and you know, not to mention the open AI investment, you know, just crushing on earnings. I, I just think that, you know, NVIDIA is the, the winner in chips for sure. And then I think Microsoft is going to be the winner on the tech side in, in artificial intelligence. And yeah, well, and let's not forget maybe Microsoft... do the, We'll see what they do with their own chips, too. On yeah, I was going to say, they just introduced yeah, their own, just own chip. That whole thing, so we'll Slightly see. less uh, yeah. computational, but they don't need... I mean, here's the strange thing. And so I've been deep into AI for a long time. And what was different about ChatGPT and was about NVIDIA was that that H100 was doing four and a half trillion... Yeah calculations per second. I can't even get my gigantic cranium around that. <laughs> um, you only need the 4 trillion calculations while it's doing its learning, you know? And and so once you've actually built the LLM, you don't need that guy. And, and so that's, to me, I'm a, a big Microsoft fan as well for a yeah. couple other reasons, um, is because they're doing like what Google, I have longtime friends at Google, the AI guys, they all sail around the world in their 747s, you know, like smoking <laughs> cigars and having booze. At Microsoft and at Google and at Amazon, if they invest, you know, a billion dollars in, in AI, that AI company uses their yeah, data center. Yeah. And if you look at the, the price of the data centers that they're paying, particularly, uh, you know, uh, AI, um, open AI, I'm sorry. Dude, they're going to spend $300 million on a data center. Yeah. And, and there's no cost of acquisition. There's no commission to pay anybody. So it's and 100% it. incremental yeah. income. Yeah. They're, they're taking money out of their $180 billion of cash. So really, what is a billion dollars? When yeah. when that billion dollars is buying you $250 million of revenues, that is all incremental profit. The math mm-hmm. is unbeatable. It's unbeatable. unbeatable. And they, they seem, you know, some of these, what I what I liked about this earnings season is some of these guys, you know, guys and, and and you know, um, Lisa Sue on AMD, they, they seem to actually now have, you know, kind of concrete insight into their next earnings season and, and revenue yeah. growth and things like that based on, you know, demand for for chips and, and the orders that they're seeing and all that kind of stuff. But it's just phenomenal. I mean, I, I think that everybody, it, it was so exciting when, when the announcement came out about, you know, OpenAI and ChatGPT and Microsoft and all that, but, but it was just kind of like hype then. And now I think people are starting to realize like, wait a minute, this is the real deal. This is going to, you know, this is going to kind of digitalize factories. It's going to make self-driving cars work, EVs work you know all of this all of these medical records that are in a black hole that you know can't help doctors do their research cancer research that sit in a big you know computer somewhere in a closet in the the middle of the country i mean this is the stuff that's going to change the world right once it starts working so um yeah, so, I'm super excited about it. That's great. That's great. And, and one other so sector. When, when does like, the Microsoft ETF come out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I th- I don't know. 
if somebody has one already. I, I think somebody. I, I see there is one. Yeah, yeah. But if you're if you're this, you know, the spokeschild for. They don't Microsoft. have ODTE though. They don't have like so. So the issue is right, and we're going to do all sorts of stuff with this, but. It's only the three indices that this exists on. So we, we have IWMY. That's the one we just launched like a week ago. Yeah. Um, but as soon as these come out, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're gonna get sure you're gonna get more movers. I, I mean, so many people are excited about these products. So I love it. Well, I'm sure, cool, right? I'm sure I, I was short Russell 2000 for a long time, and we flipped over. Yeah. Like I think everybody else has half a brain. And yeah, now's man, the time. I, I, now there's now's the run for that, right? Now's the run yeah. for that. So yeah, yeah. Wow. All right. I know, right? It's great. It's fascinating stuff. So let's uh, pivot out of this before we close out the show. I want to, one one sector we rarely talk about is travel and leisure. And <laughs> you, you seem to have, you you seem to be a fan of the uh, the airlines right now. So um, totally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is it just based off of thanks, what the Thanksgiving travel forecast? Or is this something that maybe uh, investors want to look at for next year? Yeah, I mean, I think airlines, cruises, so we've got an ETF that has cruises, hotels, and airlines in it, right? And the cruises were really epic in the first six months of the year, Carnival, you know, Norwegian, some of these companies were up 60%, 100%, you know, whatever. And, and you know, granted off of, off of you yeah, know, big off pandemonium post-COVID, but yeah. um, the airlines are interesting, right? I think they I think they got the rebound, you know, you started seeing... Um, bookings go up to what they were, you know, close to what they were pre-COVID. China opened up in January. So, you know, East, East, West connections, things like that, people out there for business. So that's kind of the, the story. But why I like airlines again, you know, when first you have Russia, Ukraine, and now we have, um, you know, what's going on in the Middle East with Israel, Hamas, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you worry about airlines, right? Like oil prices and, and people aren't going to want to travel and all this kind of thing. But then, I think in the near term, like if you look at the last earnings announcements, that every CEO said that demand is hotter than ever. Everything's going well. They're charging higher prices. Consumers have wages. They can pay for them, pricing power and all that. And then they were sour on the outlook because of the price of oil, right? Because of geopolitics. And yeah. so now look, oil has fallen again, right? So I think they're going to be getting some, you know, relief from that. And I think in the next two, you know, 55 million people are going to travel supposedly this, this week or next weekend, I guess, for Thanksgiving. Um, it's just, I, I think it's going to be a good story into the end of the year. And it's kind of boring and nobody's looking at it anymore, but I don't think that they're going to get hit with the geopolitics, you know, geopolitics risk now, at least. Yeah. I mean, the oil prices obviously are down. The airports are, you know, jammed every time I'm, I fly out every other week now down to Southern California. And oh my God. But yeah, I mean, it's more for a but, for but, for Thanksgiving Yeah, but look at their costs. Look at the new pilot contracts. Yeah. Look at the new student. Their cost yeah. per mile is about 18 to 22 percent higher than it was this time last year. And and it, the the you know the price of diesel fuel or jet fuel is not near uh, hitting that. And if you look at the you know my most hated airline, well. Spirit is my most hated airline, but very close to that is Southwest. What? Unless you, <laughs> you investigate which plane they're flying. Because if you get the 737 Max, it's got the big overheads. It's got, you know, it, the Wi-Fi actually freaking works. And I'm flying them down to, to uh, Burbank on Friday. But their earnings power was really generated on the Deltas and the Americans and the people who are flying to Europe. That's where, do you know anybody who's been to freaking Venice recently? Or to... Yeah, I do. I sure do. Yeah. Oh, I my sure Lord. Do. Yeah. So the, the, those rates, they've been paying through the nose. Right. And, yeah, but they're doing it. You yeah. Know? And, and so. people are paying it because they, you know, as Todd, I've only said this 500 times, 
the top 25% of income in America is 76% of discretionary spending. And yeah. all right, so it's 800 bucks versus 1400 bucks. All right, I want that number two business class. I, I'm not going to pay first class, but I want that, that lie down. And so they're selling that out. When you yeah. sell one of those seats, that's like selling four seats back in steerage back there. Yeah. Um, so so I, I, I was more impressed, but I'm, I'm, I'm out of them simply because A, we got out of them because we wanted to get out of them. B, a lot of them are down 30, 40% uh, yeah. from their highs. And um, and then, you know- That's what like I'm in when they're down 30, 40, you know, 30, 40% off of their highs. I think they get a little tailwind into the end of the year. And then- All right. Well, we'll have a bet on that. Them. I'm definitely not like long, like that's not my long-term trade, right? Like I'll have NVIDIA, I'll have Microsoft in my portfolio forever. Um, yeah. Airlines, I'll, you know, play around with in the short term. Cause I think like, like even Target, I mean, Target is a stock that I bought and then they, they kind of like, you know, and, and I kind of hate the story, but I just think that, you know, with like people stealing everything and locking everything up and all that kind of stuff. But like, I mean, people are just, people are just spending their money, you know? You, Todd, you have, to understand. Of that. you have to understand, Todd has been sitting on that stock for a year and a half. He has every reason to. I mean, it's that the whole strategy is just like ridiculous, but I mean, yeah. they cut some costs and, and pe like people are just spending, I, I think it's a good, you know, marker of consumer discretionary. And, and you saw it this morning. I mean, yes. I hate, what, you know, I hate what he's saying about like, oh, people come because they know everything is there because it's locked up. Like what? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's we only, American, money there, you know, so. we yeah. only use handcuffs on guests who, who are of different color skin. That's what you basically <laughs> Well, I like Lind, L-I-N-D. L-I-N-D is a very high-end uh, ocean operator. We've been to the Galapagos on them. We've been, you know, in other parts of the world. There's only 220 suites. There's no kids. Yeah. Um, you have, you know, day adventures that are unbelievable. I, I have a picture back here that is just of you know the penguins in the Galapagos and the you know the, yeah. and and, oh, yeah, and stuff up in in uh, at, uh, up in um, uh, in uh, Alaska. Anyway, they've just got crushed. Yeah, and they're now getting into this into their season, and and I look at how what their pre sales are, and they are really almost pre sold for spring and summer for next year. Uh, it's a six dollar stock today. I think it's worth uh, 12, 11 to twelve bucks when they start putting these earnings on there. So I'll, I'll throw that one in. Okay, that's a good one. I like that a lot. Well, uh, these are all great ones to consider. And um, just some super names actually out there for the investors. I know they're going to get a lot out of that. So Sylvia, I think we said it all today. What a great show. For the audience, you want to go to Defiance ETFs, ETFS.com, and check out what Sylvia and her crew are doing there. And next time the market takes a dump, go to that site and buy the QQQ, <laughs> um, you, you know, or the Jeppy, and yeah. and then don't look at it for a year and reinvest the dividends. That's all I'm saying. There you go. That's some great <laughs> advice. Some you're, great you're, advice. You're hired. You're hired. All right, done. He's, <laughs> he's, a, he's the head wholesaler. That's for sure. He's Absolutely. the head. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm definitely the head. I don't know about that. <laughs> so Sylvia, thank thank you so much for taking thank the time you. today to join us on Buy Hold Sell. We we love to have you back on and follow up on on the discussion and next time you have a new one we'll have you on the show because we want to be the first financial yes. media to, to right. tell the story fair absolutely. enough absolutely. <laughs> fair especially enough. with us going going live on apple absolutely so so listen on behalf of sylvia jablonski and tobin smith i am todd schoenberger thank you once again for joining us today on buy hold sell we'll catch you next time take care
Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.